Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Herd at Sports Radio. The 0-1 pitch. That swung on a drive to right field. Going back as Walker just looks up and it is gone. A home run for Soderstrom and the A's lead 8 to nothing. I mean, you had to throw the ninth inning clip in there out of, out of all clips. Like, we could have kept the score out of there, that, Shane. That's tough. Are you kidding? He's a big fan of our next game. Like, how about we just do, oh, a single to center after the first strikeout? Like, oh, that'd I'm, be sweet. I'm sorry. I played the wrong clip. This is when I met the play. The 0-1 pitch. That swung on a drive to right field. Going back as Walker just looks up, and it is gone. A home run for Soderstrom, and the A's lead 8 to nothing. Oh, wait, I'd, rather, he- I'd rather hear the Japanese broadcast call. Can you play that one for me? <laughs> wow. Arigita! <laughs> we got to stop doing that. It make it fun of people. <laughs> oh, man. Michael Brunt's here with us now. Brunt, you have to be feeling good. Yeah, I mean, it it wasn't a it, it wasn't excuse it wasn't an excuse me Yankee Stadium home run either. He got all of that one. Yeah, well, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> hey, Bruncey, question for you, baseball question before we go any further. He DD just and I were stays on it. his snark game, doesn't yeah, he? He does. Yep. And, it, and, in fact, he adds in a nice analogy that I can understand because I'm dumb. Don't you want to um, see – wouldn't you like to see how he and Shave Coig – Bruncey, how do you and Shave coexist in the same room? Do either of you ever give a, just a regular answer? <laughs> There's a lot of side talk, I yeah, would say. Yeah. That's probably, probably how I would describe it. <laughs> just answer the question. Uh, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather hey, make you feel this big. Cold. We're, the the older we get, the closer we get to Statler and Waldorf. I mean, when we get together, that's pretty much where we're at now. Just complaining. Hey, Bruncey. So I asked Damon, and there's only about like maybe six or seven starts left for the man. But can Adam Wainwright get two wins, two more career wins, to get to 200 with only like six or seven starts left? Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, that didn't sound uh, very confident. I mean, he's been <laughs> so bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know if it's up to him. Uh, <laughs> well, no, no, so hear me out. I think it is because if you watched the game against the Royals, he went one inning and gave up eight earned runs. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to get it done. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, it, it's hard to know. Like, when you get to September, like, it's – you kind of wonder, like, a, a team like the Cardinals, are they going to keep playing or are they going to fold it up? I mean, I at least, you know, Oakland's terrible and they're going to get worse, but mm-hmm. at least they got young guys that, that still kind of have that bounce in their step and are kind of happy to be there. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I guess maybe you catch catch a team like uh, that, that's folded it up and, and, you know, thinking about playing golf in the offseason, maybe that, that works to his favor. It's hard to believe that, like, Wainwright is chasing 200, and we asked the question, and guys like Jamie Moyer, who was old as Methuselah, has, like, 269. Uh-huh. Like, it is yep. – baseball has gotten much tougher. Well, yeah, and, it, I mean, it's that, – that 300 thing, I mean – Oh, that's Gonzo. Who's even close to right now? Verlander, maybe? Probably Verlander, Scherzer. Right. The old heads probably up there. Old heads. Yeah, I mean, there's just not, I don't know, some of the the harder-throwing young guys, I mean, you you just can't 
you, you can't project longevity like that anymore, I guess. I, I don't know. And I, I don't know if that – maybe something changes in baseball where it comes back around. But it's uh, – I think that's going to be kind of more of a unique um, – yeah, Verlander's only at 252. Yeah, and Granky, I'm looking right now, he's only at 224. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, that's... I mean, it, I don't know. I mean, that, that's going to be a rare. I mean, I think 3,000 is going to be a little bit that way as well, just with, you know, the, the way that the game has been so much more now about, you know, strikeouts and hitting home runs. But, yeah, I, the, the, the 300 thing, I mean, that, that's going to be more of a unicorn, I think, with each passing year. Holy! I'm just I'm just scrolling through this list, and I'm looking at active players. After Wainwright, who do you think is the next one on this list? Um, I don't know. Johnny Cueto. <laughs> Johnny Cueto at one forty three. He just started the other day against his old team, against the Reds. Wait, is Cole Hamill still active? No, he just retired. Okay, thank goodness. Yeah, it's Johnny like Cueto. like literally just retired like two weeks ago. Hey, Bruncey, when you're looking at when you're listening to the to the tenor. Of, of Coach Rule, do you get more patient with how he's kind of a brick-by-brick brick guy or less patient because you want to have him skip through this first part to see what the goodness is at the end? Uh, well, first off, how long would I have to stay on the phone with you guys until you would have picked Johnny Cueto? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that something? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I would have come up with Johnny Cueto if I was sitting on here for like three days. Yeah, no. he, I, 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 he's one hundred percent. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm yeah. in agreement too. Uh, but no, but your question. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's. I guess the brick by brick stuff kind of fits with, uh, with fall camp, right? Like you're, we're week three now. Um, you know, we, we. I think we've pretty much talked to everybody that you would expect to talk to. Um, I. I guess, you know, when he's saying it, the players are saying it. To me, it's, it's uh, you know, maybe a sign that whatever they're preaching um, is it, sinking in. And, and, you know, the 1%, 1% better, I mean, I, does, it ma- does it matter? We'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm eager to, to get the season started to see what this is all going to look like. Um, but... No, I mean, I, I think, you know, they, they've got their messages that they're hammering home, and I guess it, it's been a while since I can think of a, uh, a slogan or, or kind of that, that <laughs> outlook on things. Slogan. Um, Sloganeering I, again, huh, Bruncey? I, I did not say sloganeering. I said uh, slogan. <laughs> <laughs> sloganeering is the verb. <laughs> the verb. Um, but but it, I, I think... I think to me it's buy-in, and I, I think mm. that's you, you need that now. And if, if it takes every guy talking about the one percent thing um, during post-practice interviews, it is what it is, I guess. So Bruncey, stay with that buy-in take because you know as building chemistry is key, especially on the offensive side of the ball between pass catcher and and. You know, quarterback, and we heard Fedoni talk a little bit about that. We've heard Sims talk a little bit about that over recent days. How many respect points and, and buy-in points do you think Sims earned this offseason with the offense by just the way he went about his business? So, like, for example, the studying up on the roster so he can memorize everybody's names and, and things like that. Yeah, it helps. I mean, I, I, think, I think for him um, – 
you know, do we do we undersell how difficult it is to come in as a transfer quarterback and kind of get into the into the walls of things? Yes. You know what I mean? Like yes. I think it's tough. And we've we've gotten a couple different examples of that through the years. Um, you know, I, I think that from my read of it, I think Jeff Sims has, has kind of gotten in the in the in with the roster a little bit better than maybe what Casey Thompson had done uh, at this point. Um, and I don't know if that's part of that is just you know you're coming in with the new coaching staff, so it's all new. Um, but you know, I, I think I think Jeff Sims is a pretty low key guy. I mean, even when he talks to the media, I think he's thoughtful, but not necessarily. Um, verbose, um, and, and I think he's a likable guy. I mean, and and you know he he ran everything this summer. I think in some ways, you know, the the transfers out of the quarterback room that they had in the spring probably helped him being able to, uh, you know, be accepted and, and be more of a leader because you know if not him then who? Because the, there were it, it, it very easily cleared out the question of who the starter was going to be. And I think it provided everybody somebody that they could rally around without having to wait at the fall camp and going through a quarterback competition and all that stuff. We'll see what it, you know, what it counts for when, when games get going. But, um, you know, I, I, my sense is, is that Jeff Sims is, is very much in control of things, and I think he's the kind of guy that his teammates are going to follow. Bronson, you, you get a good feel, and you know a lot of people talking about this team behind the scenes. Do you – do you quietly have kind of an off-the-field MVP if Nebraska is going to be successful in year one? Um, you got Elza, Sean Padden, Corey Campbell. Campbell may be too easy. What about uh, the nutritionist? Yeah. yeah, she's legit. Yeah, I mean, I, I – uh, when they hired the nutritionist, that was the first time I've ever had somebody that covers another program reach out to me and say, that's a big hire. <laughs> um, she's everywhere, and she has autonomy. Yeah, no, she she's around. Um, she's definitely around. You see her you see her when, you know, after practice a lot. Um, she's obviously driving that bus with, with the way things are done there. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, Campbell probably deserves some, some off season credit um you know they went about things a lot differently this off season in terms of training and how they did things and you know he has to kind of be the the enforcer and the guy that you know gets everybody to buy into that vision so uh i'd, I'd probably go there um i don't know it, it's just um i think when you're over there you get a sense of kind of how big of an operation it is because they've got a lot of people um and you know, I, I think that, you know, in order to kind of do things the way that Matt Roll wants them done and with the kind of detail that he wants them done, you, you need a lot of people. And I think that's been the thing that I've, that stood out over the last, you know, couple months is it's a big operation, and we'll see uh, see what they're able to do. Yeah, and if Coggins and, and Campbell, nutritionist, strength mm-hmm. and conditioning, they probably got to work hand-in-hand hand too because that would just fit right along Brunson with everybody being on the same page kind of thing. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, there's a vision, and they got to execute it and do it together. This went way too fast. Because we were dinking around about baseball. I know. It's my fault. Johnny Cueto, man. <laughs> <laughs> Bruncey, appreciate the time, man. We'll talk next week. Thanks, Bruncey. It's Michael Brun, senior writer for Oscar 24-7. That'll do it for Coffee and Cream this morning. We'll be back tomorrow.